that I may ride on it and go with the king because your servant is lame. Moreover, he has saddled your servant, slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like an angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your sight. For all my father's household was nothing but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who ate at your own table. What right do I have yet that I should complain any more to the king? All right. First question is this. Verse 27. Moreover, he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my Lord, the King, is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your sight. Humility. He humbles himself and says, You're the King. Whatever you want, I will honor. Whatever your desire is for me, that I will do. You, O King, you do whatever is good in your sight. The second humble statement in verse 28. For all my father's household was nothing but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you are you have set your servant among those who ate at your own table. What right do I have yet that I should complain any more to the king? We were nothing but dead men without you. In other words, he's saying you do whatever you want because we are nothing but dead men. What I mean? Who are we? What are we without you, king? The next one he says, he says in the same verse, what right do I have to complain? I mean, do I have anything I can complain about? Look at all that you've done for me. There's nothing that I can complain about to you, O king. And then verse 30, Mephibosheth said to the king, let him even take it all, since my lord the king has come safely to his own house. He's talking about Ziba. How how the question now about the property and the land and all that belonged to the king and all that belonged to the king's son that was transferred to Mephibosheth. And Ziba was arguing and fighting to keep this stuff. And Mephibosheth says to the king, You know, king, I want you to think about this. I want you to do what's ever good in your sight. And king, I want you to recognize that, that we, are no, we were nothing, nothing but dead men. We were nothing without you. We have no reason and no right to complain. Let him take it all. I mean, if that's what he's fighting over, let him have it all. I'm just so happy and thankful that you've returned here safely. Okay, all of that was the introduction to the sermon. No, just kidding. But that is. <laughs> Did you, I want you to get that. It's really important. Because if you don't get that, you're going to miss the next part when we begin to close. Okay? I'm going to repeat those questions. Number one, the statements are, do whatever is good in your sight. Number two, we are nothing but dead men without you. Number three, we have no reason to complain. And number four, let them take it all. Second Samuel chapter 9, please. How do you feel when you think about this these statements. Mephibosheth was measuring himself up to the king. The king is a man. Nothing more than a man. How do you feel when you think about these statements? 
when you look up to heaven to God. Do we ever make these kinds of statements in humility to our God through our actions or even through our words? Or do we do we feel kind of like God kind of owes us? Or do we find true humility in our hearts? And, and thinking about these statements, we would say to the Father, Father, and we could make those kinds of statements to our God, even in our times of difficulty. Do we see ourselves as being, in all reality, useless and worthless servants without God? I mean, you know, it's like I thought I was something until I met Jesus. And then I realized I was absolutely nothing. Or have we not come off of that high horse yet? And we still feel like we're something without Jesus. Or do we recognize our true position is that without God, we are nothing. Or are you offended or insulted when I say that? That you're nothing without God. And I'm nothing without God. Absolutely, positively Nothing. Even our stars on Hollywood, uh, nothing without God. Even the president, even the kings of the world, nothing without God. No one can do anything without God. All right? Or does that offend you? And if it does, there's something wrong. Not with God. We're nothing without God. Now you might say, okay, preacher, um, you need to give us some Bible. And don't worry. I'm going to give you some in just a moment on that. Do whatever is good in your sight. Jesus said that, didn't he? Father, not my will, but thine be done. Am I willing to do whatever is good in the sight of God in my life? Am I willing to even relinquish everything for God? Am I willing to do whatever is good in the sight of God for my God? In submission to my God. John 15, please, in verse 5. He reminded David of of something that was very critical and very, very important. In John 15, in verse 5, we have an idea of what that text is. That we are nothing but dead men without God. We are nothing without God. Jesus says... In John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Who believes that one? I thought all this time I've been doing it all by myself. Jesus brings us back to humility and says, No, preacher, you can do nothing without me. Thank you, God. Mephibosheth humbled himself. And then I love the next thought. He came back. He says, David, king, what reason, what power, what right do I have to complain to you about anything in my life? I was dead and you, you quickened me. You, you let me eat at your own table. You fed me. You took care of me. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10. You took care of me. You comforted me. You fed me every day. You gave me all this property. You gave me everything. What right do I have to complain? Christians, do you have a right to complain to God? 
after all that God has done for us, while we were enemies of the cross, and even more being His children, do we really actually have a right to complain to God about anything? No, we don't. But see, humility must take place in the mind to get there to understand we have no reason to complain. So God gave us an example. The first example was Israel. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 10, he lists all the things they did wrong and what they complained about. And in verse 10 he says, Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. God does not want to hear us complaining. Oh, I know you can read a book somewhere. and You can read some book you buy off the shelf and it's going to tell you, complain to God all you want. God wants to hear it. God wants to know what's in your heart, which he already knows what's in your heart, but he expects you to come to your senses, right? You got to come to your senses. I remember I was talking to a person and, and they were telling me, yeah, I scream and holler at God. And I was like, you know, took a step over. <laughs> I was like, what? what? What do you mean you scream? Why do you scream and holler at God? Well, because I'm doing a lament from Psalm. I'm like, first of all, you're not David. Or Asaph, or, right? So let's start there. And secondly, you don't have the right to scream and holler at God. You show God the utmost respect. You don't scream and holler at God. Who do you think you are? And then they, you know, anyway, that was a whole other issue. Sometimes we get a little high on our horse, don't we? Sometimes we gotta learn how to be silent. If you, if you're not ready to talk to God, and even though you're angry at God, like Uzzah with David, and David was angry at God, David didn't go to God. He kept it to himself. So you can learn to humble yourself when you speak to God. So God says, don't murmur, don't grumble like Israel did. Learn thankfulness instead. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Uh, the Bible there says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's just no reason for it. There's just no reason for it. Not when it comes to God. And then you have to love the last statement that was made. Ziba arguing for, you know, all the possessions and the rights and the power and all that kind of stuff. And Mephibosheth says, let him take it all. I mean, it's not even worth it to me. I'm just so thankful that the king is safe. And so I don't know about you, but at some point we, we come to our, our point a point in our lives where we just say, I'm just thankful to be a child of God. And you know, if, if I were living back in the days of the first, just think for just a moment, not even on the first century, but if you were living back, you know, way back in the historical accounts we read about in the Old Testament, I mean, think about how different life was then. Right? Think about how different life was. We complain about wearing masks. Right? Think about how difficult life was for them back then. But no, God has born us, birthed us in this era, in this time which we're living now. Thank you, God, for this. I mean, I'm thankful to have a car and a house and heat and all. Just, they, they can have it all. The world can have it all. I don't want to lose heaven for comfort, right? And, 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 and Mephibosheth said, I don't want to lose my relationship with you, O king, just to have stuff. Luke chapter chapter 9. You see, it's, it's more important to be one with God than, than to have a bunch of stuff. It's more important to save our souls than, than to have a bunch of pleasure. It's more important to be one with God. Let, 
let Satan have it all. I, I just want to get to heaven. In verse 23 of Luke chapter 9, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what does man profit it if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? And then when I think about life, and I think about the struggles of life, and it's all relevant, right? I get it. I'm not making light of struggle or, or difficulty because our difficulty is, is a, you know, a difficulty that they might say earlier in those days they'd rather not have our difficulties that we go through. I'm not making light of difficulty, but what I'm saying is learn to be thankful to God for everything that you have, right? Now look at Job, Job chapter 1. Remember, God gave us this book somewhere early in the days of, of humanity. And he gave us this book because he wanted us to be able to always step back from calamity. Step aside, get your mind right, and remember one thing. And that is this. Job 1 verse 20. The Bible says, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked... I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. To be thankful. To be thankful. Though Job lost everything, and it's about to get worse, he was still thankful in his heart to God for what he had, for where he was. Even though he wasn't at this point where he wanted to be. He reflected back to all that God has given to him. And he said, unaware that it was Satan, that God gave and God has taken away. Job did not exemplify selfishness. God gives. God, don't you take this from me. Right? Don't be an Indian giver, someone said. Right? Remember, who came up with that? I don't even know who came up with that idea. You hear it growing up. Don't give something and then take it away. That was a horrible idea anyway, whoever came up with that. God has given and God can take away. In other words, in life, God will allow us sometimes to be a little inconvenienced in our lives. We're closing in Jeremiah chapter 18. God can allow us to be a little inconvenienced in life. And that's all right. If that is the will of God, then so be it. Be a little inconvenienced and find a reason to celebrate Jesus in your life and to tell the world about the greatness of God. It's all right to be a little inconvenienced in the church. You don't want to say anything back. I guess not. It is. You know, this is, let me just real quick. This isn't the first time I wore a mask. I was in the military. I know I said this morning I hadn't worn a mask, you know, all the years of my life. But when I was in the military, we had to wear a mask, right? Don seal your protective mask, right? Mop gear. He didn't complain. He didn't complain. What I'm saying to you is, find happiness in your day-to-day walk with God. I know we're a little inconvenienced right now. Maybe a lot inconvenienced. Maybe whatever. 
wherever you put it on the Richter scale, wherever you'd like for it to be. Be happy. Be happy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And like this morning, hallelujah. Praise our God. Does God have the right to allow Satan to inconvenience us? Yes, he does. Jeremiah 18, beginning at verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I shall announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there was, there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he made it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. You know, I think about some of the, some of the deadly diseases like cancer. Like a long time ago, it, leprosy still exists. Weeping leprosy. I think of some of the, some of the horrible and horrific things that are plaguing people's lives today. And I say, God, thank you for protecting me for, for whatever reason from that. I'm willing to be a little inconvenienced. And put a smile on my face to bring glory to God. How about you? Tonight the lesson is yours. And I give you those four statements one last time. Dear God, do whatever's good in your sight. For we realize that we're nothing but dead men and women without you. We honestly and truly have no right to complain. And dear God, if this is our lot in life from this point forward, let Satan take it all. Because we want to honor you and go home to be with you in the end. Tonight the lesson is yours. I pray God that something will be said, just something will said, just encourage you a little bit. I know it may have been a little challenging at times. But brethren, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's not as bad as it could be. Just go back and read the book of Job. Just one time. Just read. Just just read chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I guarantee you'll walk away saying, Okay, thank you, Lord. I humble myself. Just go back and read that book as a reminder. God gave it to us a long, long time ago for even a time such as this. God bless you, and thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. But lost is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sun.